inspiration. I can do anything. Education. Let's do this. And application. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Keeping us out of the water hazard with some truth therapy. And teeing up solutions for today's big issues. Here's your life caddy, Mr. Scott B. Black. Black. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Come on, man. Come on, man. Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. I am he. You are you. And the time is now for Like It Matters Radio. This is where we're living life like it matters. And today you are doubly blessed because today you not only get this black man, but you get a good friend of mine. Today we're going to be joined by uh, uh, Adrian Lyles. Adrian is founder and mastermind behind a movement called Pull. Uh, Mr. Lyles, my friend Adrian, is dedicated to deconstruct the construct of race in our society. Uh, Adrian ends each daily post that he does. I follow him on Facebook. Each daily post he ends with this quote. He said, there are many colors, cultures, heritages, and nationalities, yet there is but one human race. See, ladies and gentlemen, we must be aware that we are being divided. We are. We're being pitted against each other in a powerfully manipulative way. And so today we're going to talk to Adrian and we're going to go over a lot of different things, race and uh, racism and what does it mean to be black. And it reminds me of Jay Vernon McGee, one of my favorite pastors who's with the Lord. He would say all the time, he said, we're all using the same language. We're all talking the same language, but we're using different dictionaries and And today we're going to see just how true, just how apropos that statement is. And see, when we live in this world where we're basically, we're being pre-decided what's, what's, what's what and who's who. If, if you're white, you're privileged. If you're white, you're a persecutor. If you're white, uh, people won't give you a ticket. Cops won't give you a ticket. Uh, everything's easy. People pull up to you, give you cash on the sidewalk. Uh, every job's preset for you. You have no problems in life at all if you're right white. On. But if you're black, oh my gosh, uh, it is terrible because pe- the whole world hates you because you're black uh, and you have no rights. Uh, you can't vote. You can't get a driver's license. Uh, you're not. persecuted. Yeah, you're treated terribly, right? I mean, Tiger Woods, I feel sorry for Tiger Woods every night. You know how much sleep I lose for LeBron James every night? Man, uh, Beyonce, uh, man, it just kills me. Uh, Kanye West, man, I don't remember the last time I slept thinking about how victim. Victimized Kanye West is and Barack Obama. Man, I, I, I'm saving up every penny I have to send it to Barack Obama uh, to help that poor victimized black man. I mean, it's just silly. And yet, that's what it's coming out to. There's no choice anymore. We don't get to choose uh, what we do. We don't get to choose whether we wear a mask or not. We don't get to choose the curriculum of our kids anymore. We don't get to choose what we can post on Facebook or not post on Facebook. We don't. Anybody notice? Anybody paying attention at all? That all of a sudden we're not don't have the choices we used to have. We used to live in America, the land of the free, the home of the brave. And why does this matter? Because if you look at society, it is made up of a whole bunch of people. And so the the DNA, the genetic code of society, of communities, of states, of countries are people. And so what you gotta do is you gotta meta it down. And the same rules that apply to people apply to groups of people because a group of people is just a whole bunch of people. Make sense? 
Uh, and it's a crazy world out there. I mean, let's be honest. It's just, wow. I mean, I pull up my uh, news feed. Or actually, I should say my uh, email. Yeah, and it is the Twilight Zone, right? Andrew Yang defending Joe, right? Isn't it cool? Uh, Andrew Yang defending Joe Rogan uh, until someone was hurt by his defense of Joe Rogan. And then he had to back off that. that it's amazing. No one has choice anymore. I could say something and, and crush millions of people. Uh, I could do something past gas and, and offend so many people. Isn't it amazing we can offend everybody so easily? If you look, yeah, you look at the news, it's just crazy. And you hear... Prince Harry uh, really uh, has to take some time to himself when he's struggling from his burnout. You know, being a prince is not easy, and having people send, uh, spend, uh, give you millions of dollars just because of who you are uh, okay, isn't really terrific. easy. Yeah, it's, it's really tough. Did you hear John Hopkins uh, said basically after all the study, John Hopkins, the organization, part of the world, part of the liberal elite, said that all these lockdowns did nothing. What? All they did is damage. Yep. They did nothing. They didn't slow the spread. They didn't slow the death rate. They didn't do anything. They had absolutely no positive effect, only negative effect. But you won't hear that. Did you hear Roger Goodell uh, said it was unacceptable, the lack of diversity in the NFL in head coaching jobs? Uh, did Roger Goodell address uh, the uh, problem with the adversity in the players? Last time I checked, I'm pretty sure 80% of the NBA players are black. How racist. What's going on here? Uh, and then I think 70% of all NFL football players are racist because they're, it's black. How is that possible? Why are they not letting white people play in the NFL? Why are they not letting white people? Do you see how silly this is? Because undoubtedly, uh, um, people of color seem to be better at sports or certain sports, right? I mean, as a general, not everybody. See, it's all about choice, and America used to be the home of choice, and here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, God gives us free will. He gives us choice, and I want you to consider this, that we have a choice about today. You know, I woke up early today, excited over all uh, I get to do before the clock strikes midnight, but I have responsibilities to fulfill today uh, that are important. My job is to choose the kind of the day I'm going to have. And you too. We're in control. And it's not easy. We're going through a battle. Man, this last two weeks, I have been under attack. I've been attacked by Christians, been attacked by non-Christians, been told by people in church that what I do is too, too focused on God. So I can choose. See, today I complain. I can complain about uh, the weather. Maybe it's rainier, uh, but I could also be thankful uh, that the grass is going to be watered for free, right? Today, I could feel sad that I don't have money, or I could be glad uh, that my finances encourage me to plan my purchases wisely and guide me away from waste. Today, I can grumble about my health, or I can rejoice that I'm still alive and working and get healthier. Today, I can lament over all that my parents didn't give me and all that they did to me when I was growing up. Or I can feel grateful that they brought me into this world and they taught me things that no one else has ever learned. Today I can cry because roses have thorns or I can celebrate that thorns have roses. Right? Do you see the choice? Today I can mourn my lack of friends or I can excitedly embark upon a quest to discover new relationships. Today I can whine because I have to go to work or I can shout for joy because I get to go to work. Today, I can complain about having to take care of my kids, 
or I could commit and really rejoice in getting to take care of my kids. Do you see what I'm saying? We're at choice. And the problem with all these brandings, the problem with all this racism and bigotry and hatred, I'm stunned that it's okay to be racist in America. You just got to be the white, the right kind of racist, not the white kind, the right kind. Come on, right? man. Yeah, I know. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we're just going to get real here. And why does this matter? Because what happens to the individual eventually happens to the group. The saying is this, the philosophy of the classroom in one generation becomes a philosophy of government in the next. And here's the problem. In life, you know how we get better? We learn from our mistakes. We learn from our shortcomings. We learn, learn from our failures. And here's the problem. If nothing that you ever do wrong is your fault. If nothing that bad that ever happens to you is because of something you did or just because of the fact of life, then guess what? We never have to take a look at ourselves. We never have to, to be better. We never have to challenge ourselves or examine our life because everything bad that happens to me is because of the color of my skin and everything good that happens to me is just because I'm really good. Isn't that amazing? That we can blame all the bad stuff on our skin color, but all the good stuff is all about us. So today on Like It Matters Radio, we're going to be covering the topic. We're all speaking the same language, but we're using different dictionaries. And my good friend, head of the pool movement, Mr. Adrian Lyles, will be with us after the break. I'm Black. We'll be right back. What's the matter with you people? I was joking. Don't you know a joke when you hear one? (laughs) Come on, man. This is Scott Black of Like It Matters. As many of you know, I have been helping people to be the best they were created to be. COVID-19 has accelerated changes that I have been considering for some time now. Many more people need to receive the benefits of Leadership Awakening. Mental health in our communities is a real issue. We recently received our 501c3 nonprofit status with the emphasis of creating and delivering, taking back your power and your freedom to the least among us struggling with mental health issues. Please help us help others. You can save a marriage, save a business, or a life by supporting Like It Matters with your tax-deductible gifts. All gifts are needed, large, small, and everything in between. Please consider becoming a monthly partner at likeitmatters.net. Give today at likeitmatters.net. And by the way, Like It Matters Leadership Awakening classes will continue. Check out the schedule at likeitmatters.net as we build our training for those suffering from the challenges of poor mental health. God bless you. We do not have a sense of humor we're aware of. Come on, man. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am black. And today on Like It Matters Radio, the topic is we're all speaking the same language, but we're using a different dictionary. And man, is it a crazy time we live in today, isn't it? Uh, it is amazing. And today we're going to go deep in the conversation about what's going on and how we're being programmed. And ladies and gentlemen, this is why I do what I do. Uh, I do leadership training. Uh, Adrian's actually a graduate of mine. Uh, leadership Awakening hasn't been through my other three classes, but he's been through my uh, my entry-level class, Leadership Awakening. He's head of an organization called Pool, and I'll let him explain all that. He's been on the radio with me a few times, but I do want to share one of his daily... He posts daily on Facebook, 
uh, and uh, since February is uh, Black History Month, he's been doing a daily post, and I just want to read you a short one uh, as I before I bring him on. It says, get to the back of the bus, Black History Day 4. He says, the typical public educator will always cover Rosa Parks during Black History Month. Since I'm offering this private history lesson for free, I'll cover Rosa as well. He says, one of my favorite hip-hop duos out of Atlanta are titans called Outkast. Uh, the song titled Rosa Parks is a classic. The lyrics are hush that fuss, uh, hush that fuss, anybody move, everybody move to the back of the bus. This the reference to Rosa Parks' bus boycott that led her to get arrested. He said, I won't belabor the details of her altercation because that's likely all you'll ever, you've ever studied in school. I have no intention of disrespecting Ms. Parks. I simply pose very basic questions to encourage you to examine how long you will live under the indoctrination of the race classification system of the 17th century. Rosa Parks is highly regarded in black history. She should command great respect for her voice against inequality and maltreatment based on skin shades. I still ask the very basic question of what does it mean to be black? Here's how history records Rosa's grandfather. Anderson McCauley was born in 1849 in Georgia, the son of Gyogi, a Creek Indian, and Charles McCauley, a soldier of Irish and Cherokee descent. I wouldn't suggest that because of Rosa's extraordinarily light brown skin color that she wasn't, quote, really black. I'm simply asking you to define the term, what is black? How does a person receive this coveted label? Her ancestors did not wear this black identity. How did it get bestowed upon her? One day we will realize uh, that how we classify people today is without parameters. This creates an identity crisis. If people place their entire identity into a label that cannot be defined, they themselves have no identity at all. This is the real L in society. Those who propagate these labels while offering a definition to them are offering poison in a shiny cup. Accept whatever label you'd like. Just make sure you can put some substance to it. Who are you? And with that, I would like to introduce a gentleman who does know who he is, a friend of mine, a graduate of Leadership Awakening at Like It Matters, uh, Mr. Adrian Lyles. Adrian, thank you, my friend, for joining us today. Mr. Black, it is a pleasure to be back with you. Uh, Yeah, it's uh, awesome. And real quick, uh, tell our listeners again, what does POOL stand for? POOL is an acronym. It stands for People United in Life and Liberty. The idea is that we are all uh, one group of people who are in search of ultimately the same thing, and that is uh, the pursuit of life and liberty. And the, the construct of race, it suggests that we're all the same. But we have the same desires, but we're not all the same people. And uh, our, our goal at Pull is to educate, empower, and encourage people to be the best version of themselves. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's very incredible because you and I do a similar thing, totally different approach, totally different mechanism, uh, totally different focus, if you will. But yet our outcome is exactly the same. You've been through my training. Uh, I know you as a friend. I call your friend. I call your brother. Uh, and it's interesting when, when when someone asks you about your people, Adrian, uh, how do you respond to that? Who are your people? You know, that's a great question. I was uh, I was thinking as I was listening to you read the my writings on Rosa Parks uh, about a conversation I had just yes, uh, a, few, a few days ago about that very topic. I was talking to someone who had mentioned Rihanna's new skin care 
uh, line, and they mentioned, they said, Rihanna is making makeup for us. And I said, <laughs> and I, I didn't, I didn't chuckle, yeah. uh, Scott. I sorry, did, I, but sorry. I, but I, I kept my, I kept my composure, and I said, yeah. "Well, who is us?" And they said, "For our people." And they went on to say that Rosa. I'm sorry. Um, Rihanna has 58 different shades of browns and tones that match our skin shade. And I said, are you going to buy all 58 or are you going to buy the one shade that works best for you? Right. And when people talk about us and we and our people and my people and your people, the question is, who are my brother? Who are my sister? Right. And if that's that's the problem, the challenge that I have with the racial construct is that it creates this collective identity based on melanin level and it reduces people to their skin shade. Am I supposed to only associate with people who share in similar skin shades as I do, as I have? It's uh, it's elementary to even think that way. It's actually beyond elementary to think that way. But this is what it's taught is that us is only people who have a similar skin tone, the most shallow aspect of our bodies, our skin is the, the identity center of many people. And it's, it's quite sad that this yeah. is where people place their identity. And, and they're being programmed to do that. It's, you know, it's interesting. You, you seen, I, I love seeing your little boy. What's your little youngest boy's name again? Wyatt. Wyatt is the, what? the riot. Yeah. Wyatt's the riot. And so Benaya, Benaya's seven. How old's Wyatt? Wyatt's four. Okay, so uh, he's about the, they're about the same size. You're a bigger guy than I am, so my kids are about the same size. But my little boy, Benaya, loves people, always does. And you know what he asked me the other day? Because we have three orphanages in, in uh, um, Gambia that we uh, support. I'm sorry, Uganda that we support. we got a family in Gambia we support, but in Uganda. Uh, and I, I don't know if you know this, uh, Adrian, all, but every single kid in that orphanage is, is black. They're all black. Just so you know, they're all black. All my people I work with, they're black. I don't think I've ever seen a white person in Uganda uh, uh, on any of the pictures I've seen. So, but my son, so my son, we support them. We keep them alive. We brought fresh water, all that great stuff that so many of our uh, people that donate to us help us do. But my little boy, who's as white as you can get, he asked me this about six months ago. He goes, Daddy, am I black? He actually asked me that question, Adrian. What? He asked me that question. Yeah, he asked me if he was black. And it was so stunning. I almost cried in a good way. I'm like, wow. Now, he knows color. He's a smart kid. For seven years old, he's going to 17. He's reading at a fourth grade level. Uh, but, man, when he said, Am I, I didn't know what. I just paused for a second. It was such a beautiful question. I wanted to record it and send it to you because it was so beautiful. Because... You know, 99.9% of our DNA is the same. This is what people don't get. You know, I study this. You and I talk about this stuff. You know, there are 3 billion genetic pairs uh, that make us up what we are. And so 99.9% of us are the same. I mean, you and I, uh, Adrian, come from the same, I call it God goo. Now, you're a, you're a much better version of the God goo that came out than I am. But, you know, we 99.9% of it is the same. It's in that 3 million pairs. 
pairs because that's one hundredth of one of three billion is or one thousandth is uh, three million. Three million. And in that difference, your skin color is nothing more than a DNA marker. DNA marker. The the shape of our eyes is nothing more than a DNA marker. The way our hair recedes or doesn't recede is a DNA marker. The ability to roll our tongues, believe it or not, I can't roll my tongue, uh, is actually a genetic marker. As people don't know that, and it's just stunning. And so what we're doing now, we're taking our kids, and, and Dr. Adler, who's a famous psychologist, said by the time a child is five years old, a majority of their map of reality is in place. And that map of reality is the core construct that we make every decision based upon. And by the time we're five years old, and this is why now they want to teach the kids in elementary school about CRT. Uh, and man, to me, I think it's destroying them. Uh, it's going to set us up for something really, really bad. Where, where do you think the things are going if they're not changed? If we don't change the conversation, if pool doesn't get bigger acknowledgement about what you're promoting, what path are we on, do you think? Yeah, so that's a great question. I'll, I'll, I'll touch CRT a little. You know, a few years ago, I was a little hesitant to touch CRT because the wave was so strong, you would get knocked over like a tsunami if you were trying yeah. to oppose the ideology. I think there's been some some very vocal people who have been opposing the the construct of critical race theory itself. The, the problem I have with CRT is that, one, it's ahistorical. A lot of the components of critical race theory are not rooted in accurate history. And not to say that what's taught in schools today is accurate history, because there are some things that, are, that kids are taught in school today that are not aligned with true accounts of history. I agree. Um, the, the, the difference with CRT is that it's almost intentionally, inherently malicious and designed to paint groups of people, not individual unique people, but paint entire groups of people as either victim or villain. And that it breeds a it's breeding ground for a contest between those groups and nothing good will come from that. If you sit two kids in a classroom and you pit them against each other and tell one of them that they are the victim and the other one that they are the villain, they will they will develop this animus yep. between each other. And that's the only thing that will come from that. There is no sense of restoration or sense of, you know, reparative social uh, you know, moves with this entire segment of CRT. It's designed to create tension. And it's not designed to educate. It's not designed to present history. Most people are okay with that. If you want to talk about the ills of America and the historical yeah. troubles that we've had in our past and still have, we still have some things that challenge us yeah. in, in America today. But that's not what we're talking about with CRT. We're talking nope. about you know a lot of um, theoretical uh, ideas yeah. that put people Let's against each other. We're going to a hard break here. I want to pick up on that animus because what we're seeing in America all around us is agitation and animosity. And I want to address that when we come back. So I am Mr. Black. Today we're talking to Adrian Lyles. We're asking the question, what does it mean to be black? We'll be right back. Take a listen to these words about Like It Matters Leadership Awakening from a recent attendee. Leadership Awakening is like nothing else. It's incomparable to any other training that I've been through, and that's executive, professional, communication training, to to how to hold a fork. It, the, the Leadership Awakening is a deep mental experience where I was forced to challenge my mind in a way that I've never 
been challenged before. And it's, there's nothing like it. There's, there's, there's no way to explain it with words. You have to experience it. Leadership Awakening. Change your heart. Change your mind. Change your life. Go to likeitmatters.net slash schedule for the next Leadership Awakening. It's not only changing lives, it's saving lives. That's likeitmatters.net slash schedule. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am black. And today, we're talking about how we all seem to be talking the same language, but we're using different dictionaries. And today, we're kind of focusing in on a question. It's not about that question. It's just that question takes us through a gate. And that question is, what does it mean to be black? Because there seems to be a lot of conflict and a lot of agitation, a lot of anger being built up. You know, I, I send out a daily scriptural text every day, uh, and it's addressed to each person in three different roles. One is warrior, uh, two is leader, and three is conduit. And I, I, the first one is warrior because we're fighting a good fight, and there's conflict around us. And if you think about how things are written, a conflict in a story is usually the element that gives direction to the story, and typically is comprised of two opposing forces. It's very similar in life. Establishing a conflict or multiple conflicts creates interest and tension in a story. In life, though, it creates an environment that can either make us better by learning and growing or bitter by playing victim and feeling attacked. And the need to defend ourselves is so great or give in. And there can always be multiple types of conflict in story. And by the way, I want you to know there are basically four basic conflicts that are used in literature. And what Adrian and I are talking about today are all these conflicts are wrapped up in this race question. The first conflict is man versus man. Conflicts of this nature involve characters having opposite desires and interests. This is common in fairy tales, myths, thrillers, and mystery novels. Then you have man versus nature. This type of conflict has a protagonist in conflict with an animal or force of nature. But might I suggest that what the real man versus nature day is our own nature, our sin nature, uh, our flesh, that we want what we want and we don't want what God wants for us. Number three is man versus society. With this type of conflict, the protagonist will stand against the whole of society. That's what Adrian's doing. That's what we're doing on this radio show. And then number four, man versus self. And this is the true battle. This is what uh, many, many Muslims call antifada, right? It is man versus self. This type of conflict stems from the main character's inner struggle. There's usually a theme of selecting between two options, such as good or evil, logic and emotion. Today, it's racist or not racist. But that one word right there defines so much. And so today we're having a good friend, a graduate, a brother who uh, runs a, a movement called the Pull Movement, all about deconstructing the construct of race. So let's welcome back Adrian Lyles. Say again, Adrian, I appreciate I know you're a busy man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. No, thank you. Yeah. So you were talking about this animosity. And let me ask you, 
you're a child of God. You know, we were talking the first segment or second segment. We said, uh, uh, who are your people? And, you know, you and I have talked about this, and I always go to the Bible. My standard of truth is always Scripture. Oh, it's, I know you're as well. You're a child of God first and foremost. And I remember Jesus uh, was on there telling people in the house. I don't remember what city he was in, uh, but he was telling people in the house. Basically, it was God, and someone ran out the door. I know it was. This is backstory, not in the Bible, and went to get Mary. He said, Mary, you got to come. Jesus is really stirring things up. He's telling people he's God. And so in the in the Bible, I think it's the sixth chapter of John, it says someone comes up to Jesus and says, oh, Jesus, I think I think the paraphrase, oh, God, your mother and brother outside. We said, oh, Jesus, your mother and brother outside. And this is what Jesus said. He said, who is my mother? Who is my brother? But he or she who does the will of my father, that is my mother. That is my brother. And so I asked the question myself, if who are my people? I've, I've never had a closeness with someone because they were white. Uh, never, ever, ever in my life. Uh, you're my brother. You're black. I'm white. You're good looking. I'm not. You're thin. I'm fat. You know, I gave you the, the opposite of all that stuff. And I love you. You know that. And you love me. So this animosity, number one, what, what's behind the animosity? And number two, what do you think the intent of the animosity is? Well, so I think to answer your question, Scott, the what's behind it, it is a deeper spiritual aspect that's taking place in our world that people don't even realize that they're being swayed by an ideology, right? When I ask the question of what does it mean to be black or white, it's not to offend people who embrace these identities. It's to, it's to challenge them to simply answer that question. And what, what a person will do is when they go and examine that question, they will realize is that they have been given this shallow identity for the purpose, to answer your second question, for the purpose of being controlled. It is for the purpose of being controlled. You know, I've deeply studied the construct of race. The idea that there is a black man and there is a white man is a very new construct. And I mean, just a few hundred years old. This is not, you talked about Jesus. In the days of Jesus, there was not this collective group of people based on skin shade. That's not how people group together. The primary ways that people group together based in throughout history was first through familial or ancestral connections, right? Biological brothers, right? If you had Cain and Abel, you go back to the beginning, and uh, you you had biological brothers. And then people shared a similar culture, which was centered around different languages. We talked about in this uh, show today, speaking the same language, people grouped together who spoke and speak the same languages. That's still true today. The people in France speak French. The people in Spain speak Spanish. You know, yep. the people yep. in Russia speak Russian. This is still true today. This this yep. idea that people group together based on melanin concentration is designed to control the populations and to establish a hierarchy. And when, when, when governments and institutions can do that, then they are in control of the minds of the people. Because as long as we see ourselves as members of a collective, we no longer see ourselves as the individual uniquely created people that we are and recognize the power that has been bestowed upon us to, to, to go out into the world and proclaim that I am created for a purpose. And if I, if I can convince you that you don't actually matter, Mr. Black, you don't actually matter, you're just a member of a group and take this number and check this box, you then suffer from an identity crisis and I now control you. So that's 
what it's all about. It's all about psychological control. It's about economic control. It's about political control and institutional control. It's it's about controlling the minds of people. And so it's, it's yeah. deeper than just, you know, skin color. Well, and, and God tells us the battles in the mind. See, this is, this is why I approach, and you've been through my training, so I approach man as a three-part being because that's what we are. You know, we have a body that's a machine. Uh, you know, we got to take care of it. We got to feed it. We got to water it. We got to detoxify it. We got to do all those things. Otherwise, it acts differently. So you got a body. Uh, the mind runs the body. The, the Bible tells us the battles in the mind. Uh, you know, to transform your thinking, to not conform to the thinking of this world, to, to hold your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, to focus only on those things that are good and pure, to to guard your heart because all the issues, I mean, all through scripture, I think 400 times God tells us, do not fear. And to me, Adrian, this is all about fear and it's all about the devil. I know we don't like to talk about the devil. He's a real uh, adversary. He's a defeated foe, but the most powerful creature ever made. Uh, And the devil, I've always learned this a long time ago. The devil is always uh, accusing the brethren. And when you think about what he's accusing us, He's accusing us of our past. He really can't accuse us of our future because we haven't been done anything yet. So he's focusing us on our future. And that really is what all this stuff's about. This racism, this CRT, the 1619 Project. Talk about rewriting history. 1619 Project. If you study that, that's just that's farcical. That's just crazy. So we're all wrapped up in the past. We want to go back to 1619, to 1776, to 1812, to 1911, to 1984, to 2001. And that's the devil. Uh, I remember Carmen years ago wrote a great song, and in it the line was, when the devil reminds you of your past, you just remind him of his future. And and that's what's going on. We're seen to be wrapped up in the past. Uh, Do you see that? Absolutely. It is. And it's toxic. I I think you're you're saying that very thing. To be focused on. To be focused on yesterday blinds us from tomorrow. Now, that doesn't mean that we ignore the past, right? You know this, right? It doesn't mean that we ignore, we learn from the past, we build for the future. But what we have today is a society of people that only want to, not only, as you said, not only focus on the past, spend time rewriting it, trying to rewrite history. And it's like, look, I'm going to take what I've learned from the past and build upon that for the future. I'm not going to dwell on it. My ancestors are not me, and I am not my descendants. I am a uniquely created person with a purpose, and so are those who will come after me. And I don't think that people... Go Go ahead. No, I was just saying, you're absolutely right. But what I'm hearing through all this is fear. See, what's happening now is fear. Like you said, even early on, the CRT movement, as powerful as it was, I mean, these people are making $40,000 who are pushing this propaganda. They're making $40,000 to show up and open their mouth for an hour. Our our woke institutions, school boards are paying them. Uh, Government, Democrat government are paying these people tens of thousands of dollars to spew this. And it really is all about fear. And I learned a long time ago uh, through reading that Bible that 400 times almost God tells us, do not fear. Why would our creator, the one who made us, tell us something so many times? It's the number one command in the Bible because I believe that God, our creator, knows how fear affects us. Uh, and it brings out the worst in us. And we're in a culture of fear. Would you agree? Absolutely. You, you see it. There's a, there's a direct correlation between 
race relations in America right now and pandemic response. And I know that's not the center of the topic, but I think that but it's right on. Nature, you, yep. you can't you can't have a conversation in 2022 about fear and not discuss the pandemic, because there is a direct correlation between how people respond when they are afraid of something. You go back a hundred years ago. Hey, Adrian, 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 let's keep yeah. this. This is a great segue in the next. I want you to pick up right when we pick up because you're right on. I think you you hit it spot on the how people respond to fear. And it doesn't matter where that fear is or what it's focused on, but fear brings out the worstness. So let's pick up this conversation after the break. Today, we're talking with Adrian Lyles. The question being, what does it mean to be black? We'll be right back. Oh, we don't play that. Give me 48 hours and I will give you a new beginning. Give me 48 hours and I will give you hope. Give me 48 hours and I will give you your power back. Because between the stimulus and the response, there is a space. And in that space is your freedom. It is your power. At Like It Matters Leadership Awakening, 48 hours will change the course of your life. Discover the very purpose of your life along with the ability to achieve. Give Mr. Black 48 hours in the next Leadership Awakening. Sign up at likeitmatters.net slash schedule. Always bet on black. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. And today, your hour of power, you got a twofer. You got Mr. Black and you got Mr. Lyles. And Adrian, thanks again for joining us. And hey, real quick, tell people how they can connect with Pool Movement, how they can read up to you about you, connect with you. How do they do that? Yeah, sure. You can reach us on online at Let uspull.com. You can also reach our social media pages at uh, The Pull Movement. And so search The Pull Movement. You can find us. And anytime you're you're in North Georgia, stop by. I'd love to sit down and have a cup of coffee. And he means that. Just so you know, he means that. I watch him on Facebook a lot. But, uh, hey, you were talking about fear, and we were talking about, I, I believe that fear was uh, Joe Biden's running mate. Uh, I believe that they needed the pen. It was. It wasn't Kamala Harris. It was fear. It was, there was only, that was the only way he could get 80 million votes mailed in for him. Uh, it was fear. They had to fray. That's what January 6th is about, fear. Uh, that's what uh, anybody that protests against what the government's doing, their white nationals fear. When our president can say that the big biggest enemy of America are white Christians that you talk about fear. So talk about fear and how people respond to fear, the pandemic, this racism, uh, that train of thought you had before a break. Uh, uh, let's take that. Yeah, it's a, it's totally correlated. It, you understand how the mind and the body works in this way. Yep. Go back and look. If, for those who are not familiar with Birth of a Nation, go back and do some research on the psychological aspect of that piece of literature and movie. You you have the, the vision that's being painted that people with dark skin colors are are violent, villainous, hypersexualized beings that will rape your daughters and rob your stores unless aha, we have a savior, the Ku Klux yep. Klan. If yep. you support us, we will protect you from yep. this vile attack. Yep. And the same is it's exactly the same when it comes to the pandemic yep. response. You incite fear and then present yourself as the savior. Yep. And people cannot see that. And what it is, it, there again, it goes back to being all about control and people who give in to it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the, the 
disease for which we're trying to be cautious is not a real disease. But it is clear that what we have done in terms of response to this pandemic is all about control. The way that yeah. the governments have responded, the way that businesses and institutions have responded. And it has very little to do with actual biological ailments, more so capturing and holding on to power as much as you can. And that's why race exists in America today. It's because of institutions that use it for power from our political institutions, even to our healthcare institutions, use the construct of race for a power struggle. Look at, uh, you know, the University of Harvard right now is currently being sued because Asian migrants are saying that, and it's true, if you look at the data, uh, someone who checks the box of Asian as they apply for admission into the University of Harvard, they have to have higher test scores, SAT scores, and higher um, scores all across the board to get in relative to someone who checks any other box. And it's like, wait a minute, I thought that was back in the day that used to be called racist. Yep. And these institutions hold on to this structure to uh, to feed the machine. Because if you could say, look, we're a diverse institutions, so come to us, give us your money, f- fund our endowment because we are, quote unquote, diverse. It's all about power and money. And, yeah. it, and what it does is it, it attacks people who are actually trying hard to, to live the American dream. Yeah, and what it does is it takes that word. So I love that. Take that word racism, uh, and they're using it wrong. So the word racism, you know me, I'm an etymologist by trade. You and I both have a love for words, and so we love words. The word racism, the definition, I don't care what you get to one of these books to rewrite it as today, the definition of racism is using skin color as a determining factor. Keep it simple, soldier. Don't make it complicated, right? The enemy's number one weapon formed against us is confusion. So uh, you've got to keep it simple. And Dr. King, I love Dr. King. Looking forward to talking with him someday on the Sea of Glass. But I love his quote. His quote was, you cannot drive out darkness with darkness. Only light can do that. You cannot drive out hate with hate. Only love can do that. And I always say, let me finish his logical thought. You cannot drive out racism with racism. Only understanding can do that. What say you? Ah, you hit the you hit the crux of the matter, uh, Doctor Ibram. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Ibram X. Kendi would disagree with you, uh, Mister Black. Yeah. he suggests yeah. he theorizes that in order to to fix past racism, we must yep. enact current racism. Yeah. and in order to deal with current racism, we must implement future racism. So he disagrees with you. He says that, you know, racism is the cure for racism. Yeah, isn't that amazing? And it's the media. What people don't get is there's a squawk box called the media that's part of the the, the deep state. I mean, I always say this, uh, it offends people. We are no different than China or Russia today. We don't follow after God. Uh, we have state-run media. Uh, we attack and imprison our political opponents now. There's no freedom. You got censorship. If you, it goes against the government, Facebook bans it, blocks it, kicks you out. I mean, you see, we're pretty similar to our enemies. We become like those countries. Countries we despise. Isn't that weird? It is. It is. Yeah. But then again, you and I both know that this is uh, this. This is just all temporary. Uh, this world yep. is not my home, and it's not your home. And it's, nope. it, we're just. The, I'm just trying to be a light in a dark world, and I know you are as well. And yep. and that's that's all we can. We're called to do is just be a light in in, in a dark world. And, and some people will well, see it, and some people won't. 
Yeah, and this is what I want to address because you talked about it's an identity crisis. You know, I teach psychologically. You know this, and uh, so you got the logical levels of change, and there's six levels that we put beliefs on. The top level is spirit. Below that's identity. Below that is belief systems and values. Below that's capabilities. Below that uh, is behavior, and below that's environment. And change takes place from the top down, not from the bottom up. I always say you can take an alcoholic out of a bar, you can change their environment, which is the lowest one, they're still an alcoholic. Uh, But when you have a spiritual change, that's where it all changes. When you change your God, then you change your identity. When you change your identity, you change your beliefs and your values. When you change those, you change your capabilities. When you change those, you change your behaviors. When you change those, you change where you hang out. That's how it works. And uh, there's this great guy. I fell in love with this Dr. Everett uh, Piper. Uh, really incredible. And he wrote an article, The Critical Race is the Opposite of Christianity. He says the gospel is not about revenge for injustice. It's about forgiveness. And so anybody who calls himself a child of a risen king, a follower of the God of the Bible, it's impossible to believe in CRT. Uh, his quote here said he, he got called up by someone to get his views why he opposes CRT if he's spo- supposed to be this loving guy. And he said that he told the reporter that he's against CRT because it's the exact opposite of the gospel of Christ. And the, the reporter was stunned. He goes, how so? He said, well, I said, first of all, CRT is grounded in revenge. Second, while it preaches justice, it talks nothing about forgiveness. And third, it is driven by conflict rather than confession. And he says, finally, CRT is the opposite of Christianity because it ignores the core message of Christ. It's completely void of forgiveness. Wow. Yeah, that's good. Isn't isn't that powerful? I find that agreeable. Yeah, I find that agreeable. That's a a true statement. Amen. Amen. So what what is your hope with the pool move? What's your outcome? Why the pool move? What's your outcome? You, you, you nailed it when talking about identity. You, I see and we have studied deeply an identity crisis in America. Our premise is rooted in very basic principles. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And here's the challenge. You cannot love your neighbor as you love yourself if you don't love yourself. And this cannot happen. This cannot happen when we don't have an understanding of from whence we've come. If we don't know our purpose, if we don't have an identity that's rooted in substance, then we can't love ourselves because what's left is just a shell. And so we hope through the pull movement to restore a sense of identity, a sense of purpose into people so that they can love that created being that's within them. And then they can love their neighbor. Amen. Well put, well put. Let's put a crescendo there or, or exclamation point. So thank you, my friend. I know you're a busy, man. God bless you. And if there's anything I can do to help with what you're doing, because I believe in it wholeheartedly, you let me know, okay, my friend? It's always good to talk to you. Thank you. All right, buddy. God bless you, Barry, brother. Bye-bye. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to be swayed. You can stand up and speak the truth. It's hard today, but when you know who you are and you know why you're here, then what to do is a lot easier. But most importantly, you've got to know whose you are. Because if you're a child of the risen king, then you have no place for this hatred. You are under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. I am Mr. Black, helping you become more hopeful about your future, reminding you, when you live your life like it matters, it does. 
I don't think that's funny. What's the matter with you people? I was joking! Don't you know a joke when you hear one? I'm funny how? I'm funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. Say that. You have been listening to Mr. Black, Master Trainer for Like It Matters. Please find us on Facebook by searching LIM Radio. Make sure to follow us, like our posts, and share with others. Also, search YouTube for Like It Matters. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. And for more information on how we can help you live life like it matters, go to likeitmatters.net where you can find more information on our transformational training, our life coaching, counseling, our radio show, and other ways we help you continue the journey of living life like it matters.